The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds, so you clean your mouth evenly, and they deliver brush head refills every three months, just like dentists recommend. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. 15. Is there still a closer conundrum in Boston? How will Cole Hamill's shoulder injury affect the Braves' rotation? And will Gerard Dyson finally get respect from fantasy owners? Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, February 13th. Al Melker here with Michael Beller, and uh, things are kind of heating up in the news department. Uh, we've got some injuries to report. Uh, we've got some some signings. Nothing major going on, Michael, but uh, you know some things that uh, we need to check in on. And a couple of closer announcements, so let's start there. Ron Renneke, first of all, he was named as the Red Sox interim manager, and that's kind of a strange thing there, uh, but apparently that was... He was given the interim tag because of the investigation that's still ongoing. So Renneke, for all intents and purposes, is the Red Sox manager. And then shortly thereafter, he announced that Brandon Workman is their closer, unless there's something unforeseen. Does that uh, little bit of hedging on Renneke's part worry you at all? Where are you at in terms of trusting Workman to be a fantasy reliever? It doesn't worry me at all. I mean, I think we should have expected uh, Brandon Workman to be their closer coming into the season. A guy who uh, was that out-of-nowhere closer last year, right? That uh, all of a sudden became this lockdown guy, striking out a ton of guys. Uh, so I, I think that that's something that should be expected. I also think, you know, certainly you and I are sitting here on February 12th recording this. People are listening to it on February 13th. Um Unless you've got an absolute no doubt about it, lockdown, this is our guy, Kirby Yates, uh, Kenley Jansen, or Oldie Chapman style of closer, uh, then I don't see any really reason to be worried about someone keeping the door open a little bit. We know there's going to be plenty of turnover at this position. There is every single year. I think Brandon Workman, early ADP, feels appropriate. The statement from Ron Renneke feels appropriate, as now I am drafting uh, Brandon Workman as their closer. But I do like you know Matt Barnes because of the upside he has to potentially fill in and still be a high strikeout guy, even if he does remain in a setup role. I think it's the right move. Workman, clearly, there's a reason why he was able to establish himself when guys like Barnes and Ryan Brazier weren't able to. He just really took things up a notch last year's four-seamer, was a lot better than it had been previously, and as you noted, that led to a lot more strikeouts. He was throwing a little bit harder as well. So he did just about everything about as well as you could expect from a closer other than the, the high walk rate. So I think once you do get past those sure thing type closers that you were alluding to he I think his ADP could actually stand to be a little bit higher this was is I think as close to a a strong vote of confidence as you could have expected Mm -hmm. from Ron Renneke's I I found it very very encouraging 
and the other closer development, this is really no no surprise at all. I don't think there's really much to talk about here, but since we are on the topic of closers, the Pirates' new manager, Derek Shelton, he announced that Keone Kella will be the Pirates' closer going into the year. I guess the only thing really to ask there is that do you think that in a at a position where change is the norm that Kayla can be a wire-to-wire closer for the Pirates? Oh, yeah, I think so, absolutely. I think maybe the thing you would be uh, a little bit more worried about is with the team uh, like the Pirates, who's not going to be anywhere near even sniffing the playoff race, even if they'd extend it to seven playoff teams in both leagues right now, today, right now, this moment, <laughs> the Pirates are going to be nowhere near the playoff race. Maybe you get a little bit concerned about him getting flipped to a contender where then he is no longer the closer. But, you know, we can't see into the future. We can't possibly know what's going to be the case, what the where the Pirates are going to be in trade discussions in July. So I say you look at everything that's great about Keone Kella uh, and draft him as such. He's going to be a guy who should rack up a ton of strikeouts. Forget about the potential lack of save opportunities on a bad team. He's going to be a lot of strikeouts, a big strikeout rate guy. I really like him as a closer target this season. We do have something of a surprising announcement in regards to Cole Hamels. He hurt his left shoulder doing some weighted ball exercises, as reported by the Athletics' Dave O'Brien. He is not going to be ready for opening day. There will be a check-in with him in about three weeks, so we'll get a more, hopefully a more narrowed-down timetable for Hamels. But, you know, that obviously creates some uncertainty in terms of how that affects his ADP, and obviously there's a ripple effect there because – uh, also, according to Dave O'Brien, there's going to be a whole group of starters trying to nail down not only his spot temporarily, but the fifth spot is still open. So Felix Hernandez, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson, Tuki Toussaint, those were all candidates that Dave O'Brien mentioned in his piece on The Athletic. Uh, what do you make of this whole situation here, uh, Michael, uh, both in terms of Hamill's value going forward and in terms of whether or not anybody from that group is now more worth targeting in, in drafts. Yeah, I'll take the, the Hamels part first. Uh, that's a little concerning to me. Uh, this is a guy who uh, has been able to rack up big workloads into his mid-30s. And uh, as we talked about with James Paxton being on my do-not-draft list, Cole Hamels lands there too at this point. I'm just not going to touch a guy. There's no reason to court that sort of risk when risk is going to be able to find us uh, as fantasy owners. So I stay away from him. And the guy who I look to? Felix, man. I mean, I just feel like this can be someone who who fills the back end of the rotation for uh, you know deeper fantasy leagues. Of course, I mean, we're talking about fifth starters, so we're already starting at that point. We understand where the bar is that we're trying to clear. But um, yeah, before last year, he was a guy who was able to you know stay healthy for the most part. Uh, you go back to 2018, and he made uh, 28 starts, 155 innings. Uh, the year before that, he dealt with some injury. 2016, 25 starts, 153 innings. You know that that's the ceiling. You have to be realistic about that going into the year Uh, but if you are comfortable with that sort of player being on your team I I think there's something here with Felix being rejuvenated being on a team that can maybe get him into the playoffs for the first time in his career now having potentially two rotation spots to shoot for depending on how severe this Cole Hamill shoulder issue is he's the only guy on this list that really gets me at all excited and again we're talking about real life fifth starter excited so take it for what it's worth. It's really going to be a back-end, maybe streamer ultimately, uh, but I do think that Felix is someone worth watching this spring. I think so too, and there are two openings, so there's room for him and somebody else, or if you like the the younger pitchers better, maybe you think that uh, two of them can beat out Felix uh, for both of those spots, but 
there was even a brief time early in 2019 where it looked like Felix was maybe going to have a rebound season. Then, you know, of course he wasn't healthy and, and it wasn't effective. And I still do hold out some hope as it sounds like you do as well, that maybe he can stay healthy and be a contributor, maybe in 15 team leagues. I'm, I don't hold out hope for anything really much more than that. But as far as that second spot, I kind of like Bryce Wilson mm-hmm. and I'd like to see one of these younger guys get a shot and maybe do something with it so that, maybe they they stay in the rotation and of course that would come at Hernandez's expense if he makes it but it's going to be a really really interesting thing to watch uh, for sure a uh, number of signings one year signings on Wednesday and I think the one probably Michael that's got the most fantasy impact or at least most obviously so is the Pirates finding their Starling Marte replacement in Gerard Dyson signing him to a one-year deal with the Diamondbacks in 2019 Dyson batted 230 but you know, we don't really care so much about batting average or run production or power for, with him. It's the steals. He got 30 of them in a not quite everyday role with the Diamondbacks. He did hit a career high seven home runs. Uh, so I guess the happy ball uh, even helped draw dice a little bit. Scored 65 runs, typically hitting near the top of the order when he did play. So. I just feel like Dyson is somebody who's just perennially underrated by us in the fantasy community. And, Maybe it's just because he's been a free agent, but his NFBC ADP is 635, which it's like you just might might as well not even have any right. at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just wondering you know, what really separates him from a Malik Smith who's got a 166 ADP. D. Gordon now, who doesn't necessarily have an everyday job, his ADP is 287. Delino DeShield, same deal, probably a fourth outfielder, and he's getting picked 475th on average. So what do you think is the deal with Dyson and where do you think is an appropriate place to draft somebody? I'm just going to lump them together because I think they belong together, him and Gordon and DeShields. Where's the appropriate place to to pursue them? Yeah, I think the difference is name brand, right? Uh, I mean, we, we've yeah. known those guys for a while. We've known uh, D. Gordon for a while. We've known Delano DeShields for a while. Uh, I think I, I do think Malik Smith deserves to be a, a touch ahead of those guys because uh, I feel, just feel like he has a little bit more stolen base upside than the rest of them. Uh, but even he is a, is a name brand at this point, and that's really where Dyson is lacking. I agree with you completely that he should be uh, in that second group of guys, uh, and, and I think that he really can't duplicate what he did last year because he's going to play every day in Pittsburgh. No one's going to hold him out of that lineup. He's going to be at the top of that lineup. And what intrigues me about Gerard Dyson, we know the steals are going to be there, right? He's going to, if he plays every day, if he plays 130 plus games, gets to the plate 450, 500 times, he's going to steal 30 bases. I don't think there's any doubt about that. What intrigues me about him, Al, is that last year he had a 10.4% walk rate. The year before that in 237 plate appearances, an 11.4% walk rate. So what this tells me is that Gerard Dyson is someone who, even though he is into his mid-30s, has recently gained an understanding of what his skill set is. And it's uh, it's uh, Lou Brown from Major League telling Willie Mays Hayes, every time you hit the ball in the air, I want to see uh, 10 push-ups, right? This is a guy who knows all I got to do is get on base any way possible, and I can make the most use of my greatest asset, and that is my speed, my base running ability, my stolen base ability. It's not just the speed. It is a guy who understands how to time pitchers, understands how to get good jumps, how to take that most direct route to the base and swipe a bag. And I see a guy who has really come into his own in that regard over the last couple of seasons. So that's what intrigues me about Gerard Dyson, that he understands what he brings to the table for his team and how best to take advantage and make best use of it. 
That's what I like about him really more than any of these other guys with the exception of Malik Smith. Having said all that, I still think a stolen base specialist, even with steals at a premium, the way the game is played today, it's going to have to be somewhere in the gosh, 300 ADP range, 250 ADP range, uh, filling out the end of my roster sort of range for me really to get excited about someone like that. All right, well, the, you basically answered my next question, which is him or D. Gordon, who's at 287. So you, you put him right in the same ballpark there. Yeah, but I would take Dyson over Gordon. All right, and I'll just take small issue with, with one thing that you said, that there's nobody to challenge him. It's a bit of a bummer for me because I really like Jared Oliva, and I hope that he gets a, a midseason call-up. I hope that Dyson doesn't block him. I still think that Dyson is somebody. In fact, he did for years with the Royals. He compiled stolen bases from the bench. So mm-hmm. right. that isn't necessarily a deterrent for me to take Dyson in that D. Gordon ADP neighborhood, even if he does lose playing time to Jared Oliva at some time uh, in, in the midseason. So, uh, you know, good move for the, the Pirates, I think, to get somebody who can hold down the role and at the same time not pose too imposing of a roadblock to uh, a, a promising prospect who could – fill that center field uh, center field vacancy. Uh, I got one other question just on the same related topic here. So Dyson, one of a few players who signed a one-year deal on Wednesday. Is he your favorite, or is there another signing that you think is more impactful or, or worth paying attention to? Yeah, Cameron Mabin, uh, Taiwan Walker, back with the uh, teams that they came from. Walker, you know, bouncing around, working out for, for a handful of teams. It was interesting to see where he was going to land, but uh, – you know, the one that sort of grabs my eye is Brad Miller. I mean, if there were ever a team that was going to pull something out of Brad Miller, right? I mean, it's just, it just seems like the perfect fit that he ends up going to St. Louis. There is going to be a little bit of a squeeze there, obviously. Uh, you know, Paul DeYoung, uh, uh, Tommy Edmond, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler. You figure those guys are locked in. Colton Wong, uh, probably one of uh, the best uh, defensive second baseman in the league, if not the very best. So I do think he's going to have to prove himself uh, as versatile as he's been in his career and cobble together, you know, a few at-bats over here, a few at-bats over there. But it just feels like the really good fit of player and team for him to end up in St. Louis. So he and Dyson are the ones that intrigue me the most of this group of guys for fantasy purposes. All right. Well, full disclosure, Miller is 100% the reason why I even asked that question. Because <laughs> if you came up with somebody other Miller, I'd say, yeah, but Brad Miller, it's a good fit. And every year in spring training, I get sucked in with wherever he gets signed to. And uh, yeah, I think there's vulnerability there. I really do uh, with Edmund, who is largely unproven Carpenter, who seems to be in pretty steep decline. Mm-hmm. I love this for, for Brad Miller. So uh, I think probably for like the fourth straight year, he's going to be the, the subject of a bold prediction for me. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be consistent. Got to love that. Yeah. He actually <laughs> kind of made it close last year with the Phillies hitting a whole bunch of home runs in a, in a short span. So yeah. very cool on the same page there. Uh, and one more thing to alert you to, Time for our featured read recommendation. And Ron Chandler, always great stuff from him. And really, really interesting piece from him called, Here's What's Wrong with Everybody in 2020. It's not literally everybody, but he goes through the top 15 in ADP, so essentially the first round picks, and tells you where their their vulnerabilities are and what could go wrong. Even Mike Trout. He even makes a a compelling case about why. Ron's the godfather, but Mike (laughs) Trout, come on. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, everybody should go read it because there's something there that should make you, you know, maybe not keep you up at night, but make you think twice at least. So uh, here's what's wrong with everybody in 2020 by Ron Chandler. Please do check that out. 
and uh, check us out again on Friday because we're going to wrap it up for this Thursday edition of Fantasy Baseball 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseballin15. Everything that we do is included with your subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and review, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I am Al Melchior, and we will, in fact, be back right here on Friday. Mm-hmm.